You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is The Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that and like you right now. So be encouraged and let your light shine. Are ridiculous. <laughs> what the crap? Ah. Terrifying. I think, all right. Terrifying, <laughs> <laughs> terrifying yes, yes. But. Yes, that is. And I, I my pink drink. I removed myself from my diet Pepsi oh. today. Because so. you realized how poisonous I it was? Did. I did. Oh, you know, <laughs> I go like... in spurts with that. Every once in a while I do. I think, oh, I can't have any more of that. It's killing me. And then I go off of it. I might, I've gone off for like three years at a time. And then I just. <laughs> Drink one and I'm done. Back I'm, on Pepsi. I'm back in it right now. And, and I like it best. Who offered you that first drink? <laughs> I like it best when it's fountain drink opposed to just have a bottle or a can. So, you know what? Yeah. I agree with you. It's Why so is that different? I think the carbonation is It so is. Better. I don't know if I can do this pink drink stuff. I mean, I want to, but I'm like, where's the fizz? That's what I want. Uh-huh. You could put it in fizzy water. Like tonic? <laughs> we all respond. Type of church were you raised in? Until I was in about um, third grade, fourth grade, maybe, we went to Assemblies of God Church. My mother, my mother took his kids to Assemblies of God, and my father would go to a Free Methodist Church. And my parents decided it wasn't good for split family kind of a thing. So we all started going to the Free Methodist Church. So I went to Free Methodist Church. Until I was, until I basically got married, then became Nazarene. Spring Arbor College, where, oh, Michigan. Mm -hmm. It was a free Methodist college. And like I said, I was basically raised free Methodist until I got married. So you said you had an interesting story how you met Denny. Yeah. Like I said, we moved when I was like in eighth grade. We lived behind a family. And this is another neat part. This, I'm probably going skipping ahead of myself, but Janice Freeman, Jim's deceased wife, her and her family lived right behind us. We were really, really good friends. And she would take me to church because my parents, we moved into the neighborhood where the Nazarene church was, and they went to the Nazarene church. So I went with her to church, her and her family. Because that's where you had been going? Yeah, that's where we had been going. And that, you know, I wanted to go to college with Free Methodists, and I was Free Methodist. So New Year's Eve, the pastor at Parents Church, Nazarene Church, said, I'd like for you to come and give your testimony. I said, okay, I can do that. So on New Year's Eve, I got up and gave my testimony. And the church is really rather large, probably 300 people. And and I didn't know very many people, you know. And so it turns out that Dunny was in the congregation with Fred. <laughs> and he said to himself, I'm going to meet her. I'm going to meet her. So he was in service, and I was at Spring Arbor. Well, I do know how he found out, because his dad had been telling me, I have a son that I want you to meet. Well, I knew his brothers, and I did not want to meet <laughs> this son. And so I said, uh, yeah, okay, sure. So he wrote to me when I was in Spring Arbor, and I went to the mailbox to get my mail, and my boyfriend was with me. He said, well, who's that from? And I said, I don't know. Never met him. I don't know who it's from. He said, well, you're not going to write back. Well, what did the letter say inside? Well, you know, he's introducing himself and who he was and he, where he was in Germany. And 
And he said, I, I heard you speak to yeah. your testimony uh-huh. at the church. Yeah. So the funny part of it is our parents went to the same church, and we only lived about three miles away from each other. But the school line was uh, such that we never went to school together. So I never knew him. But I, like I said, I did know his brothers, and I was not impressed with them. <laughs> So he went back to Germany. That summer, I was going to Spain to take a class with a friend of mine and our Spanish teacher. And um, he wrote and said, why don't you just stop by way of Germany and we'll meet. And I had never met him, just by letters. And I said, okay. He said, you need to get a Eurowell pass and just tell me different things to do. So we flew into Amsterdam, got on a train. We went to Aschaffenburg where he was stationed. But here he had come the day before and kept looking, and, he, and he'd only remembered me from seeing me that one time, and I think he had a picture. But he kept looking and couldn't find me. He was there the wrong day. Oh, my so, gosh. So it turns out that he, he found us the next day. I think I called him. I don't know how that happened. But anyway, that's Well, what happened with the boyfriend? Oh, well, he didn't like it because I wrote back. It just kind of... We just kind of split ways. And, and you were just like, we're just pen pals. We're just Yeah, we're it was nothing. nothing to start out with. It really right. wasn't. <laughs> that was really bold of Denny. Just to be like, hey, I don't know you. I saw you speak one time. Well, again, I his... to be in Germany. You want to meet? Yeah, well... That's he... wild. Yeah, it is rather wild. I don't know how bold it was. It didn't seem bold at the time. <laughs> I guess when you hear the story, it sounds like it. But, but again, our parents knew each other. My mother and his mother were good friends. Okay. So, like when di- when you got to Germany, did you know? No, not right away. I don't even know. It just kind of progressed. I don't know what what the point in time was that. Oh yeah, this is the guy for me. I don't yeah. honestly know that point in time. But he was in Germany, I think, a couple of years, and this was. It, it turned out that he came back to the states before I even came home from Spain. I wasn't there at that time, but then when I did come, when I did come home, she didn't let him see me for a while. <laughs> because I mean, she knew his brothers too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess she knew his mother real well. So, <laughs> ah, that's so funny. Yeah. So, how long did you date before you got married? Then we got married in '73, and that was '70. I graduated in. December of 71, I made it through in three and a half years. And by January of 73, I had a job. It was really an amazing thing, a sad thing, but amazing. I taught in Mesopotamia, Ohio, which is up in Amish country. A fourth grade teacher and a fifth grade teacher were husband and wife. And the principal were all going to a PTO meeting or some kind of a school meeting. And they were riding together and they were in an accident. The principal was hurt really badly, but the husband and wife were both killed. So um, I took over for the husband and started teaching in January. So I was out in December. So I taught from January, finished that school year, and then taught the next year. And then we got married in June, went off to Kansas so that he could go to seminary. He finished his bachelor's and went to seminary out there. So he was a Nazarene pastor. Actually, when we started dating, I was avoiding anybody that was a missionary or pastor. <laughs> I, I didn't want any part of being a pastor's wife or missionary. I didn't date those kinds of guys. He was in business. He'd actually gone to YSU and uh, thought it was safe. Then he went <laughs> to uh, he went to Mount Vernon. And actually got saved there. And when he came home, we were dating, and he said, 
I didn't know he wasn't saved. He was a very good guy, and I guess we never had the conversation before that. He was telling me about getting saved and all this, and he said, I think God's called me to be a pastor. I'm going, oh, no. (laughs) And I said, well, I guess. And he said, what do you mean, I guess? You know, it's like my decision. Of course, you know, we were dating and everything, but... He was battling the decision himself, and I was battling the decision myself. Uh, and so, yeah, I married a pastor. After school in Kansas, where did you land? We took a church in Marion, Ohio, and both of our kids were born there. And it's, it's amazing. Marion is just like really, really close to Delaware, and that's where Steve lives now. I mean, they do a lot of Marion traveling. Right. Does so, he remember No, he was almost three when we moved from there, but Denise was like a month old when we moved in a snowstorm with a baby. And did you move to Columbiana? No, we moved to Irondale. Oh. You've moved a lot. Yeah. How long were you in Irondale? I don't even know where Irondale is. Uh, It's not on the way to anywhere. You have to be (laughs) going to Irondale to get to Irondale. Sounds like we're in Frozen. Yeah, it's it's kind of a... Sorry. And uh, it's just out in the middle of nowhere, but... Near Hammondsville, East Liverpool Way. How long were you there? Uh, Five years, I believe. And then you came to Columbiana? No. (laughs) (laughs) Then we went to Steubenville. Okay. And that was a learning experience. And that Mm -hmm. was where we really learned to depend upon the Lord. That was where we realized you dare not move unless you know for a fact that's the Lord's will. Although we did learn a lot. So Mm -hmm. I, I feel like that we weren't out of His will. It was just not a very pleasant situation. We were there... Probably almost a year. And then, then you moved to Columbia. No. <laughs> <laughs> then we went to Minerva. We loved Minerva. That was one of our favorite places. That's where I became in contact with Mr. Lehman. He was principal over in Canton, and he was talking to me about a job there. And then he moved to real life, and then he contacted me to go to real life and teach. So I taught a real life, and we were in Minerva, I think, eight years then, after Minerva, we came to Lisbon, then he pastored there, and then from Lisbon, he was, for a couple of years, he was, was pastor at Salem Nazarene Church, and then he retired and went to work at the nursing home. So he was in ministry 32 years. And you were just able to get a teaching job wherever you went? Yeah, for the most part. I taught pretty much 45 years before I retired. Yeah, Where did you retire from? Southern. I taught fifth and sixth grade science at Southern. But um, yeah, that was another story. It's quite amazing. I was coming home from school one day and I was praying. I was teaching at Heartland and I loved it. I taught third grade at Heartland and I just loved it there. And the Lord said, I want you to put your application at Southern. And I'm going, are you sure? I mean, really? And yeah, that's what he wanted. So I interviewed there. It was really uh, one of those interviews that I could be honest with whatever I wanted to say because I it really didn't matter what happened, you know. It really you were happy matter. where you were. Yeah, it turned out it was a huge blessing because of retirement. Now, when did you go back and get your master's? When I was at Southern, I I was hired as a third grade teacher, and that's what I taught pretty much all third and fourth grade. After I was there a year, oh by the way, you were replacing a teacher on maternity leave. Well, that would have been nice to know. And so they put me in substitute kind of a thing for um, fifth and sixth grade science, and I hated it. I had avoided sciences all my 
career because I just did not, that was not my favorite thing. And I didn't, I wasn't prepared for that. And I felt like I needed to go back and get more education. So I got a master's in science just so that I would be prepared to teach him. Oh my gosh. Did you end up liking science? I loved it then. Oh. Yes. Did you? Yeah. That's a lot. At first, I really didn't like fifth and sixth grade, but then I started liking that too. So, Dunny will tell you the first month of school, I just cried and cried and cried. Every night I come home from school crying, oh, I can't handle this. Oh my gosh. But it worked out. God has a plan. At what point did that switch? From when I liked it and didn't like it? Yeah. Well, I guess probably in those classes, I was putting a lot of stuff together, you know, just to tell them the truth and shine my light. And I had many opportunities. And I think science was a really good place to get that, those opportunities that I probably might not have had as many. And the kids were older to understand. And it worked out well. And those opportunities came. And thank the good Lord, he helped me to use them. That's a good experience. That's great. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. It's Bonnie. Katie. It's Caddy. Ooh, I don't like that either. (laughs) It's Katie. And we are here with the beautiful, wonderful Janet Fellinger. Welcome, Janet. Hi. Thanks for having me. We're so glad to have you. She came kicking and screaming. (laughs) Not really. Oh, yes, really. (laughs) Only by Denise. (laughs) Right, and then we'll get her next. Yeah. (laughs) Janet was born and raised in the Warren Champion area. She started out with her family in a split church. So her mom and the kids went to uh, Assemblies of God and her dad went to the Free Methodists. And then in third grade, they decided they should be going to church together. Mm -hmm. So dad must have won that coin toss. And they all headed over to the Free Methodist Church. Janet is the oldest sister and she has three younger brothers, Dave, Paul, and Chuck. She's been saved since she's been five years old. She went to school in Champion. After graduating, she went on to Free Arbor College, which is a free Methodist college in Michigan, where she got her teaching degree. She met Denny when she was in college, and they have been married for... 48 years. 48 years. Oh, you're coming in close on a yeah. big party. That's well, fun. I'm well, not much for parties, so I, don't, I keep saying, no, just dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I was about to say, Denise, let's get this going. <laughs> Never mind. Denny and Janet have two kids, Steve, who's married to Kelly, and Denise, who's married to Michael Keffer, who was on our podcast a couple of weeks ago. And they have three amazing grandchildren, Reese, Warren, and Samantha. Janet went back to school. She has 45 years in the teaching field, private schools and public schools. She just recently retired. Denny, who was a Nazarene pastor, also just retired. So they're in a new phase in their life. She says she has no hobbies, but I'm sure (laughs) she is doing things with her time. We'll find out about that in a little bit. Denny and Janet have been at the Upper Room for over 10 years. They took two years to find a church after retiring from being a pastor. And I want to hear the story about yeah. that. Well, when we left the Nazarene Church, we didn't want to go back to a place where we'd pastored. And of course, we lived in Lisbon. We just didn't feel like that was fair to go back. So we went to different churches and we found a church that Denny really liked. And I did not. But we tried it for like, and then we found a church that I really liked and he did not. And we kept looking. We just went to different churches. And it it was kind of interesting because of having been a pastor and just to see how people reacted to visitors and stuff. Well, then one Sunday after we'd gone, I think it was the Mennonite church, 
we went to Taco Bell for lunch, and we saw Angie Bertelson and her family at Taco Bell. And I'd had Angie in school. And we were talking to them and just visiting them when we left. And they said, what church do they go to? And I said, Upper Room. And he said, we've never tried there. So we came to Upper Room and never left. We loved it. And you both liked it. You didn't have to. Yeah, we both liked it. (laughs) That's wild to me that you've remained in a denomination for so long, but then in retirement have stepped outside I mean, the upper room being non-denominational, but you were saying you're also trying a Mennonite church. I mean, mm-hmm. you really kind of stepped out into different Areas, possibilities yeah. and denominations. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it was just a natural thing. We we just did that. We just wanted to find a church that we fit in. We knew people here. That helps. Yeah. That really does help does. when you know people. And uh, we knew Pastor Tuck and, and Lynn and... We've not had a retired pastor's wife on here yet. Oh. <laughs> and one that never wanted to be a pastor's wife. <laughs> it's like, I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah, that's coming from someplace else, so that that's neat. Well, we should have a whole question and answer time. How, How are we do? doing on the greeting? I work really hard in Sunday school you know, class but, to tell yes. people we are section greeters. <laughs> The upper room does do a good job with greeting people. I mean, there were times that you were just like, they looked the other way when you walked in because they didn't want to even give you a hello or eye contact or anything. But yeah, the upper room, that's not a problem here. Everybody's very willing to speak to you. And the greeters at the door, I think, are helpful. And then people going around at that that break time before Chris starts preaching. I think that's a good time. Yeah, I think you're doing well. Or we're doing well. (laughs) I call us part of us. You know, I'm part of this now, so we're doing well. Yeah, we're doing well. That's right. Well, tell us, Janet, who or what turned your light on? I thought about that, and there have been lots of people over the years, and I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to think about it as far as when I was a child. I was born on a Sunday, and by the next Sunday, I was in church. So my parents were just—they were both wonderful Christian people. I saw their their lights all the time. I became saved at a children's crusade when I was five years old. I remember it distinctly. I remember going to the altar. I remember uh, our, my cousins went to that church, and I remember them coming and praying with me. I, I just remember that. It's not like I don't have a definite time. That is definitely when I accepted Christ as my Savior. You were five and you remember that? I do. That's amazing. I do remember that. There's a lot of things I've forgotten, but I do remember that. So my parents, I would say, and I had Christian grandparents too. And then when I was a teen, like I said, Jim Freeman's wife, she was older than I was and took me under her wing and always took me the teen things. And so Janice was a really good friend and a, a good mentor and a wonderful Christian person. She's a real sweetheart. And at that time, your parents were going to a different church than you were. You wanted to stay where you were because you were connected with the youth. And then, certainly, as I became an adult, my husband was my light. You know, he was my husband, but he was my pastor. And he was an excellent pastor. He really was a good pastor. So So I've been blessed with many that have shone light into my life. So you feel like even in your own married life, he pastored you in some ways and Mm -hmm. that you grew? Oh, definitely. That's really neat. Well, I'm sure Chris does that for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I told him I cried the whole entire sermon yesterday. I <laughs> sobbed through it. I could barely take my notes. And... <laughs> See, yeah. You know how I feel? Yep. I learned from him. We were very fortunate. Our kids both 
were really, really good kids. They were really good pastor's kids. They really were because, you know, they, you look back and you think, wow, they could have gone the other way because people are cruel. And and they they did well as pastor's kids. They really, really did. They I'm did. real proud of them. They're both love and serve the Lord today. So I'm very thankful. Yeah, you raised great kids. They are super kids. I, they are. He said, you raised good kids just like you did. And I said, well, we did. And he said, well, you did the hardest part because when he was off, you know, he'd be gone at nights and stuff like that. He would say that I did more of the raising, but I turn and say it was God because, you know, you teach and you teach and you do and you do. And yet at the same time, God has to make up all the difference, you know, where you're short. He's right there in the center and lots of prayers for my kids, lots of prayers. And I think prayer is the whole secret. It's everything. (laughs) So did you keep continuing in your growth with Jesus from five on? I would say so, yes. Now, I remember when I became sanctified. That was when I was a pastor's wife. Uh, We were in a, a zone meeting where lots of churches were there. It was a really, really cold winter night and very few people had shown up and I just remember specifically being at the altar and asking the Holy Spirit to take over in my life and and I really never lived a life of of sin you know I never I remember one time when I was talking to somebody about Jesus and and they said you've never really had fun you've never really experienced life and I said I've not experienced a lot of pain because I've been kept from that. I've had Jesus in my life and and taking care of me, and I've been blessed, and I really haven't had a lot of the pain that people have. You're the testimony we pray for our kids to have. uh, That's what we pray for our kids. You're right. Well, tell us, Janet, what are you passionate about? What lights you up? My grandkids. My grandkids and my kids, I brag on them all day and all night, but especially the girls, especially all three of my grandchildren love to sing and they sing Christian songs, but the girls love to just make up songs about Jesus. They just, whatever tune, they just start singing about Jesus and singing about the Bible and they they just sing their hearts. That lights up my life when I hear them singing about Jesus and talking about Jesus. And and Samantha, especially because I get the privilege of hearing what she's learned at preschool. She'll come out to the car and I bring her and take her from school and she'll tell me what she's learned. And she's the one that I get to hear the most from because I see her every day. Yeah, my grandchildren and my children. My family, like I said, I have three younger brothers and I'm blessed with a wonderful Christian family. My mother's mother prayed for her children to be Christians and generations. And it's been like that. When we go to family get together, it's always talking about Christ and praying. And that's really a blessing that lights me up too. I think that is the testimony to Mm -hmm. the power of prayer. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if there's people out there listening who don't have that rich background with their families being second, third, fourth generational Christians, is you can change it with you. Right. And prayer, you know, it can start with you and you can pray for your kids and grandkids and great grandkids to be Mm -hmm. walking with the Lord. So it's never too late to start a new chain of Christian heritage. Right. So true. I just wanted to say, like, Chris has been a recipient of your Mm -hmm. family and the goodness in your family. Oh, my family? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Just your love and faithfulness to Jesus. Like, that is something that Chris was able to experience in high school with Steve and hanging out with you guys. And, I mean, even when he went to college, he ended up living with... My brother, Chuck, yeah. Yeah. 
he and Steve, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a blessing for thanks sure. Thanks for that. Yes, our privilege. We think the world of Chris. <laughs> we do. <laughs> I just love how, I mean, you probably at church would never know, but he grew up with Steve and they were yeah, they were best, best buds. And yeah. They lived basketball. <laughs> yep. <laughs> was the big thing for those two, Steve would say. But there's some of those kids, they just don't give enough care about that basketball game. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we just we just didn't understand. Chris and Steve understood. Janet, mm-hmm. tell us, share with us how you prayed for your kids. I think sometimes we have parents out there that, you know, their prayers like, help me, help them. But like, can you tell us how your prayer life was for your kids? One of the biggest things was I prayed for them to have Christian mates. That that was so, so important. Both of them are married to wonderful Christian mates. They really are. And that's answer to prayer. That was one of the big things. And I would pray for them if they were going through hard times and with their school. And I remember one time we were driving from Minerva to Salem on our way to school. And the kids would take turns sitting up front when the kids could sit up front. They were pretty young then even, but they could sit up front. They would take turns. I remember asking Steve his spelling words. And I looked down to look at the spelling words, and we were going around this real windy road. And I looked up, and this car was coming right at us. I took my hands off the wheel, and I know an angel drove us around. Those kinds of things, you know, you just pray for protection for them when you're with them and before you go somewhere, and then whenever they're by themselves or going somewhere, you know, that was a witness right there. You just have to live your life, and I guess it came pretty natural. Whatever the need was, I was praying about it. Wonderful what the Lord has done. But Steve married a pastor's daughter. They both were attracted to pastor's kids. I really like that sometimes what we pray for is answered, but not necessarily in the way that we had looked for or imagined. Like you were saying, Michael came into your life and you were like, this would be interesting, you know? (laughs) And God's like, here's the gift, you know, or here's the guy. We never quite know. And sometimes we go through some things that make us stronger and trust on the Lord more. Mm -hmm. When that's happening, you wonder, why is this happening? He knows he has a perfect plan. He does. He does. He's faithful. And I do appreciate, too, that even in the midst of your prayer life, you know, you lived it, too. It was something you lived daily and talked about. You know, like you were saying, even in the car. Like, this is just what happened. We're going to talk about... Because yeah. I think it's really easy even for Christians to kind of go go about their day. And we do say our prayers, but oftentimes our prayers are alone or individually. Right. And I think it's so important to let our kids in exactly. on this is what's happening. This is what I'm praying for you for. And I still try to do that. I still try to tell the kids, this is how I'm praying about this. Like our car, we just got a, a 2020 car. We're coming back from Pennsylvania and all the lights just came on. All kinds of warning lights, take it to the dealership right now, kind of a thing. It was scary. And I said to Denise, you know, I'm praying that everything that's going to go wrong goes wrong now while it's under warranty. (laughs) That's how I'm praying. It can all fall apart now. Well, we took it to the dealership and they, they said they had to order a whole new box for the controls. And now there's a whole new recall on our gas tank. It's like, okay, so I guess everything's happening right now. <laughs> yeah, where the warranty's um, gone. <laughs> but I, I like to tell them how I'm praying. Yes. So that when it happens, then we can all just rejoice together. And you build faith. Right? Yeah. So tell us, how are you letting your light shine in this particular season of your life? Because we know you've been a shining light for 45 years in this classroom, classroom yeah. teaching, pouring into children, and being a pastor's wife and the support to Denny and also the congregation. 
What's it look like now in this season in retirement? Again, it comes back to family. I feel like that's where I'm pouring my life into my grandchildren and still my kids, of course. And if we're not here, we're at Steve's church. So, you know, it's just like being part of their church down there as well, too. That sounds pretty shallow, but no, it's no. still it's oh. still lots of prayer. And I appreciate being on the prayer chain so that I can be praying for those people and hearing and, and seeing miracles like little Riley. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that, that family is amazing. I just feel like I'm a part of that with prayer. I think prayer is a big thing for me. And we're so appreciative. We've had this conversation with mm-hmm. some other prayer warriors that yep. I don't even know if people know that you're praying for them. But, you know, I mean, I'm sure your kids do and your grandkids, mm-hmm. but like people on the prayer chain, they might not even know about the prayer chain, right. but you guys are on it. And to have that, to have people behind us mm-hmm. praying for people who right. who have requests or who are going through a hard time, that's amazing. And I say we all need more prayer covering. For sure. Yeah. Certainly me included. <laughs> you don't even think about it until you need it. And then mm-hmm. it means everything. Right. You know, like I'm on the prayer chain, but I don't really think about often people praying for me, you know, in the moments. Like last year when Jonathan was in the hospital and we're shooting right. out text after text after text to the prayer chain. Following that incident, it meant everything. Right. That those people, like you were saying, were behind us covering mm-hmm. that whole situation in prayer. Sometimes when we're in the middle of that, it's hard to pray. So when much. you're in the middle of it. And it's really hard to pray, but knowing other people are praying for you, he tells us in the Word we're supposed to ask. We're supposed to talk to him about it. We're supposed to pray. It's um, important to do. (laughs) It's so important. I can tell you from being a working mom who's got two grandmas that are Mm -hmm. helping me, Uh I couldn't do what I do without my mom and Mark's mom in my life. And they've been such a blessing to me. And so I know that your kids feel that way about you. They do appreciate it. You can get a little hairy sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I know they appreciate it. They do. I'm glad to be able to do it. Glad to be able to retire and spend that time. I said it's the best teaching I've been able to have when I teach Samantha. Was the crossover difficult? No, not at all. I thought it would be. I thought, boy, after all those years... I was going to have a difficult time. Yeah. But no, not at all. And now with this COVID, thank you, Lord. I don't know how teachers, I hear Denise, and I certainly pray for her with the school situations and everything. So no, I don't miss it. Did you and Denny retire at the same time? No, he retired before I did. So how's that with you both being retired? Well, it's never a problem because Denny does a lot of reading. (laughs) He walks up to Taco Bell, used to be McDonald's, and reads and reads and reads. Now it's it's never a problem. Samantha's there with us. And so, no, we haven't gotten into each other's hair yet. Maybe next year when she goes to school full time. Who knows? We'll see what next year holds. (laughs) He wants to travel more. Oh, so we'll see. I like to be home. All those years, going to work every day. And, and you say about hobbies. Well, I never had time for hobbies when I was doing all that stuff. I just never had time. And the only thing I, I do, I've thought about it and thought about because I know you were saying, how could you not do something? Well, if there's minutes, <laughs> I'll play a game of Yahtzee by myself. Oh, just, okay. So it, that's not really a hobby, but that takes me, what, three minutes to play a game and break the stress or whatever. I so. always say, mm. work is my hobby. <laughs> <laughs> 
was it difficult getting out of like full-time ministry and coming to the upper room and Mm -mm. becoming a member or not at all no that was good too it was good it was a good thing and when Dunning was done pastoring he was done he didn't want to do weddings he didn't want to do funerals he didn't want to preach he was done it's worked well that's good you guys must be so easygoing no, we're, we're doing well. That's a great testimony. Well, thank you. Any question and answer? Question and answer time. <laughs> <laughs> For all you teachers out there. For all you teachers out there, as you say that, the first thing that comes to my mind, and it's not just for teachers, it's for parents. If you say you're going to do something, you're going to discipline a child some way, then be sure you before you say it that you mean it and you do it. I think that's one of the biggest keys. It's not like, well, I'll give you another chance. I'll count to three. If you say you're going to do this, if this is the the consequence, then keep your word. Don't back down. Follow through. Follow through. Parents, teachers, that's my advice. Oh, I like that. I always tried to stay with that. I try not to give empty threats. Mm -hmm. That's not good. Kids need to know a line. They need to know where it is. Learning boundaries early Mm. is really good for Mm -hmm. later on. Exactly. I mean, knowing where lines are and knowing that people really do have lines and Mm -hmm. that means a lot later on. Right, for sure. Last question. Well, you already shared one story, but have another story that is Well, I won't go into any great detail with this one because this is one of the things that I think my, my mind has allowed me to forget. We were pastoring. There was a couple that actually two couples that we were really close to that were about our age. And they had children around our kids' age that they played with everything. Well, the one couple had a guy coming to visit them, had been a friend. And they called and asked us to come over. He was demon-possessed, and they wanted us to pray for him. And so Did they tell you that ahead of time? I, I think we knew that going into it, partly because they insisted that we go to their house to see him, but they came to our house to watch all the kids. They oh. weren't anywhere around when all this was going down, so it was just the other couple, the four of us. I distinctly remember him at one point just kneeling down to the toilet, just guttural, just saying awful things and us praying for him and then I remember being in this room and I think it was the lady and I were in the a bedroom and I'd never been in the bedroom before it was one of the boys their children's bedroom and the guys had a bible but we didn't have a bible and I reached under this pile of clothes and pulled out a bible and started reading it at one point you could just hear a whoosh out the door out the windows and the evil spirits left and he was delivered it was quite an experience. It was scary at the time. And like I said, I've forgotten a lot of the details, huh. but I think that's the reason. Because <laughs> it was just very, very frightening. That's wild. I think that was the only, that was our first experience. That was nothing that really they ever talked about much or, you know, you just didn't hear it preached or you didn't hear it taught. You didn't, you just pled the blood of Jesus. And we kept pleading the blood of Jesus so that nothing would attack us. I remember that so clearly, just pleading the blood of Jesus. But no, we hadn't been trained or anything. Just, okay, Jesus, help us. <laughs> he did. He did. And something that feels so foreign and that few of us ever see, we rarely hear about. Mm-hmm. You know, something that's really, really common in other parts of the world. Well, yeah. In other countries. And I think there's a, a lot of it here, but we just don't 
acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. You know, we we talk in the Bible about us, the principalities being a battle all the time. And we know Satan is alive and he's a liar and he wants to kill and he wants to destroy. He'll try to overtake people as we open up our lives. We have to be so careful to keep our hearts on guard and keep our eyes on Jesus and plead the blood of Jesus. Yeah. We were at a church once. My kids are still traumatized. (laughs) Oh, no. It's scary. (laughs) We were praying over a lady who was manifesting. Mm -hmm. You hear hear stories and you read about stories like that. You know, even when I have nightmares in my dream, I often have dreams where I am like being silenced and something's either choking me or putting their hand over my mouth. And I know enough in my consciousness to say, I just need to speak the name of Jesus. And so mm-hmm. in my dream, I'll be like, you know. And trying to get it out. At least you're thinking it, Until, right? you know, and I'll wake Mark up, but I'm just trying to say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And when I get it out, it goes away. It's real. There's so much power in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like even when you don't even know what to say. Right. I'm just speaking that over yourself. Okay, so... If you had hobbies, what would you like to do? I have hobbies in my head. Oh, I don't have hobbies in my head even. No? No, there's nothing. I'm just very content to live life as I live You like animals? No, they're all right, but (laughs) we had a a pet one time, a pet dog, and when she passed away, we said that was it because it just hurt so bad when she passed away. Yeah, I like animals all right, but no, I don't want any pets. It ties you down if you're going to go anywhere. Where does Denny want to travel? When we were pastoring, he had opportunity. There was a man that kind of sponsored him and gave funds for him to travel overseas a lot. Matter of fact, he was in Turkey when my dad passed away. And I made him promise me before he left, because dad was sick, that he would come back for the funeral and everything. And he did. But he got a, went to a lot of places like that. So I think we're pretty much settled in just traveling. He would like to go up to Maine and fall and that kind of stuff. So I think we're done with overseas. And that's like I said, I met him when I was going to Spain. And I'm definitely done with overseas. <laughs> Are you fluent in Spanish? I'm not fluent. I have a minor, but you would never guess it because I haven't used it. When I was in real life, I did teach some of it. Matter of fact, I think I had Chris in Spanish class. <laughs> I'm sure I did. He and Steve both. I don't know. If, I think I probably could get it back if I tried. <laughs> I don't know. I took four years of Spanish in high school, and I know this. Hola. <laughs> Me llama es Barta. <laughs> Como está usted? <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> Well, Janet, it's been so great having you here. We are blessed by both you and Denny's, your experience and the wisdom and the just the maturity that you bring to our fellowship. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to see you guys, you know, you've taken a step back from leadership when you retired, and you're letting the new generation lead, but you're supporting and you're praying into that. And it makes us who we are to have spiritual mothers and fathers who are mature and wise Mm -hmm. and supporting us, cheering on the younger generation. And Mm -hmm. I think that is one of the beautiful things about the upper room is it's multi-generational and, you know, every generation's rooting for the next one. And just even your presence of being here and Mm -hmm. coming from denominational churches to stay here at a non-denominational church that could have been a little bit different than what you were used to, I, I can imagine. We're blessed to have you. We're blessed too. Thank you. To be here. So thanks for sharing your story. And thank you. 
I hope you guys hear Janet about the importance of A, getting your kids to church and Sunday school because it impacts them in a powerful way when you share the gospel with kids. And I love your testimony that you distinctly remember accepting Christ at five years old and you've walked with him, you know, your whole life. So that is parents, bring your kids to church, bring them to Sunday school. Also just the power of prayer and how you have sown into your children and your grandchildren and how it is has made a difference because it's a hard world out there. It's hard to be parents and prayer makes a difference and it's so important. So thanks for sharing that with us and reminding us the importance of that. Thank you. Make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Bye. Bye. Bye.